Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today's Thursday, July the 8th. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my brother, Jeff. How are things going, Jeff? Going fantastic, Rod. Just counting down the weeks till the start of training camp. Yeah, it's uh, not far off. <laughs> what is it? Uh, um, what do we have? It's a uh, camp starts the 27th and today's the 8th. So, yeah, we've only got uh, less than three weeks. Yeah, Not that I want to rush summer, but. Well, yeah, we want to enjoy this, you know, these 80, 90 degree days and everything. Right. <laughs> uh, joining us today back for his uh, second appearance on the Browns Blitz is John Matei. Find him at John Matei on Twitter. And we have we have fans on the Browns Blitz, and we, we obviously like to do this. And John was on about a year ago, and just we had a great discussion. Uh, John knows football, and I, I wanted to have him back on. So uh, glad to glad to do this. And John, how are things going? Uh, very good. It's uh, great to be back on the show with you and uh, to meet your brother. Um, like he said, I'm very excited about training camp in a few weeks, and it starts on my wife's birthday. So uh, uh, hopefully, a sign of good things to come. Yeah, yeah. Hope so. As long as you don't prioritize it above your wife's yeah. birthday, John, everything <laughs> will be okay. Right, like right. You're going to work that out, but yeah. Yeah, the only reason why our marriage has lasted 24 years is because she understands my uh, my complete obsession with Browns football. So <laughs> Good women so are hard to find. That's that right. That answers the, the priority question right there. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> we, know, we know how things are prioritized. Excellent. <laughs> so uh, we're going to talk a bunch of Brown stuff, guys. Uh, before we do that, we'll talk about uh, – We'll talk about our blitz beverages, what we're drinking tonight. John, you're the guest, so why don't you why don't you lead us off? Yeah, well, uh, anybody that's been to Oklahoma in July knows it's uh, hotter than you know what. So uh, light beers are very uh, popular, and uh, I'm drinking a Lindemann's Creek Lambic. It's a uh, really light cherry beer, uh, really good on hot evenings like today. Yeah, so for the, those uh, less educated on, on uh, beers, maybe people don't drink a lot of beers, which I guess Alambic's maybe not technically a beer, but for, for my purposes it is. Um, why, don't you, uh, why don't you describe what Alambic is or, you know, or maybe just the, the flavor compared to a regular beer for some people who yeah, might not so, understand it? Right. So this one's it's a little bit sweeter. Um, than your normal beer it doesn't quite have the uh bitter aftertaste um it's it's one of those uh, creeper type beers where the alcohol content's usually a little bit lower around four percent or so um but if you drink a few of these and they go down like kool-aid um they'll catch up to you really quick if you drink them too fast yeah. right <laughs> you start thinking oh this doesn't this isn't very strong right but they're very light very refreshing uh great on a hot day that sounds good Sounds good. Well, I did I did a poll on Twitter and the uh, those who voted wasn't not a very large turnout. I think uh, don't think there are a lot of people uh, on Twitter uh, through the week right now. And that um, I think people are kind of waiting on training camp, honestly. Um, 
Twitter seems to be down a little bit, but it got, got a few votes in an hour, and people voted for this banana bread beer. Um, it beat out uh, a couple of other fruity beers that I picked out pretty much just for the summer. So I think I've had this on a bottle before, but it's it's a 5.2%. And, you know, as soon as you open the can, you can smell the banana bread. So um, it, it's got a pretty good flavor. If you like banana bread, um, th- this is by... Uh, eagle eagle brewery um it's decent if you don't like banana bread don't drink it <laughs> that's pretty much all i got guys <laughs> uh jeff you're uh you're with your standby water do you have anything earlier in the day a uh, little bit of the usual mick ultra ultra nothing wrong with that nothing at all nothing snobby about that no Nothing. I don't think there's. I don't think we had any snobby beers on the show today. <laughs> I don't know. Mine could have been snobby a little bit. <laughs> oh, people think. Oh, he's drinking a lambic. Wow. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Anyways, guys, let's uh, let's move into some brown stuff. So, um, just there's a few things going on. Not a lot, but uh, the, most of the talk. Um, you know, there's a little bit of talk about Baker's contract. I, we could spend hours probably talking about that. I don't. I just, but I think that's just a matter of when it happens. So I really don't think we need to dive into that unless you guys want to give opinions. But for me, there's a bunch of talk about the uniforms and these all these uh, special uniform. You know what's going to come out and all this stuff. Okay, for me, I you know I just did an article about the the 17th game of the season and have some records maybe broken, things like this. Okay. To me, we're waiting on football to be played. Okay. And, and football is what I care about. It's football. I, I love the old uniforms. I love the Browns. I love the history and all this, but I'm coming up on watching football and wanting to see this team perform and do great and have a great season and I'm looking at at two things on the side. I got I got records in my right hand and uniforms in my left hand. They're both just auxiliary things that really don't mean a damn thing to me. Mm-hmm. Either one of them. I mean, I I would love to see Miles get a sack record or or uh, you know Chubb and and Hunt each go for a thousand yards. But if the team doesn't do good, it, it doesn't matter. And the same is true for the uniforms. Great. You guys want to make some fancy uniform or or some, you know, some ode to the, you know, to the 1946 team. That's great. But if the if it, it's not more important than football to me, so I really don't care that much about it. No, I so, agree 100 percent. I could care less um, as far as, you know, people arguing about numbers on the helmet you know, is it going to be a white helmet? Is it going to be the shadow box numbers? Um, I think paying tributes are, you know, they, they have their place in, in football. But, you know, this team has very high expectations. Um, you could arguably say that they're higher than they were in 2019. And we all know how that season went. So uh, I'm, I'm yeah. with you. I hope the Browns are focused on football. Uh, I'm certainly focused on football and I'm ready to get training camp started. Jeff. You know, I, I was really worried that you were going to bring up uniforms tonight. 
Um, <laughs> I could hear talk your, about. Yeah, I'd rather talk hear. about Baker Mayfield's contract for an hour than freaking uniforms. Um, you know what? The, the reason they they bring out new uniforms is to sell more merchandise. That's it. That's right. Um, yeah. If yeah, if you right. want to honor the 75th anniversary of this franchise, go win a damn championship. I don't care if you're wearing dresses when you do it. Go win a championship. <laughs> I agree. I'm with you. With you 100%. We will not belabor that topic. I just, <laughs> there's you. been so much talk about it. Uh, I just I just wanted to bring it up, see if you guys are at the same place as me, and you are, so let's move on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, the uh, the pro, uh, pro Football Network, I believe, uh, named um, Odell Beckham Jr. to their overrated list for 2021. Currently, <laughs> they, they pick one player from each team for this list. So they picked hmm. OBJ from the Browns. Uh, my first thought is, the guy's coming off an injury. I think it's kind of harsh to pick him for the for the all-overrated team. But then I'm thinking, well, if it's not OBJ from the Browns, who is it going to be? So I wanted to get your thoughts on, on that, guys. So, Jeff, I'll, I'll let you kick this off. Is, is it harsh to put OBJ on the overrated team coming off this injury? And is there anybody on the Browns who you would pick as overrated, you know, either over him or, or maybe just this season because he might not be deserving? No, it's just it's fun to pick on OBJ, um, and you know if you look at his recent history, um, the last four or five years, he hasn't put up. I, I read an article earlier today, I think, about you know how since he left the Giants, he really hasn't been the same player, um, or even prior to his injury with the Giants. I guess I, I don't know. Um, he's <laughs> He's in a system where we're not featuring him. Even if he's 100% healthy this year and goes out and, and has a great season, he's never going to put up those kinds of numbers because we're not going to be featuring him. Um, we have too many other weapons at our, at our disposal on offense. So um, is he overrated? I don't think he's overrated. I think he's probably just underutilized. Um and that's great. If we win a championship again, I don't, I don't care how many catches he has or how many yards he has. Um, I would put um, Jadavian Clowney ahead of him in terms of potentially being overrated. I mean, Jadavian Clowney was a number one overall draft pick. And if you look at his history, I don't think he's ever lived up to that. Odell at least had some really dominant years early in his career. Um, and we're we're putting a lot of, of um, hope and and promise on Jadavian Clowney suddenly living up to that status. You know, I, I hope me picking on him motivates him so that he goes out and plays like a freaking all pro. But I know the he odds are, to the show. I'm sure he does. Um, <laughs> the odds are that Jadavian Clowney is going to play less than OBJ. Yeah. Yeah. So, John, let's let you have a crack at this. Um, do you agree with Jeff as far as what he's saying about OBJ? And uh, if you know, um, who who would you pick for the overrated team? 
Well, if you talk about being overrated, um, looking at OBJ stats uh, from 2014 to 2016, he had at least 91 receptions those three years. The subsequent four seasons, now granted there was injury, um, his highest total was with the Giants in 18 of 77 receptions. And his yardage and his average per catch has declined. So to call him overrated, I, I think if you if you're comparing to the OBJ of 2016, um, yeah, he he's overrated. He's not that guy. Um, I don't think he'll ever be that guy again, um, mm -hmm. even if he is healthy. I just think you know uh, the wear and tear on his body. I just don't know um, if he's ever going to be that dominant, 1,400 yards, 100 reception guy again. And to your brother's point, in this offense, it's almost impossible uh, with all the miles to feed. So um, is he still talented? Yeah. Is he maybe uh, people are holding on to the 2016 OBJ? I think so. And I think that's where the overrated comes in. Um, I also agree with your brother, uh, with Jadavian Clowney. He was the, the guy on defense I targeted uh, with the overrated tab or label, so to speak. Uh, but on offense, I think it's Austin Hooper. Um, I think with what we paid and how much we paid that guy to play the tight end position and the production we got out of him, um, I, I just think he was uh, greatly overrated by the Browns. I, he could turn it around. Um, it could be a uh, comeback year as much as an overrated year for Hooper. Um, but with Harrison Bryant and, uh, you know, Chief still in the mix, I mean, he's hanging on. He's going to be there too. So we'll see what happens. But uh, Hooper and Clowney, I think, uh, are a little bit more than OBJ, but I do think OBJ is a little bit overrated. Yeah. Do Do you agree with with Jeff as far as the amount of uh, as far as the expectations that we have for Clowney? Um, uh, yeah, I do. I mean, you're you're signing the guy that you know when you've got Miles Garrett on the other side, that other defensive end should feast because he's never, if ever, going to see a double team. And even Clowney has come out and said that in the media that, hey, I'm not going to face a double team here when I've got, you know, arguably the best defensive end on the planet on the other side of the line. So um, I think it's definitely a put up or shut up year for Clowney. Um, I think it's beneficial to both sides that it's a short term deal um, and we'll see where it takes us. But um, he's got no excuses uh, unless he gets hurt again. So, guys, let's if we were to measure the success of of the Clowney signing purely in sacks by Clowney and and the sacks that he's able to create for Miles, and and I know there's other players involved, and and there's a matter of health and so forth, but how many sacks would you need to see out of Clowney, and how many sacks would you need to see out of Miles to feel like the Clowney signing was a good signing? I'll let you go first, Jeff. I don't know if you measure it in sacks. I mean, I guess that's that's one yardstick. Um, wins it's the easiest yardstick to measure it. Yeah, I know yeah. it's a lazy um, yardstick, but yeah. But I mean, it, that's fine. I mean, you know, in in the grand scheme of things, we want to see an improved defense overall statistically, and if these guys are doing their jobs, their numbers will come. Um, who knows what, you know, what the system is going to provide for them. Um, but I would think if, if, if miles 
increases his numbers from last year and Clowney at least um, gets to what Olivier Vernon did for us last year, then you could say that Clowney had a positive impact on the defense. Now, that doesn't factor in what happens at defensive tackle right. uh, or, or anything else scheme-wise where pressure may be being exerted, okay? Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, in, because you've got so many other players factoring in that, that will create opportunities for him here um, in the back seven or eight, um, who knows? Um, but, um, I don't know. I, I think, I think that's probably the simplest way, but what, what did, uh, Vernon have 10 sacks last year? I think um, something like that. He was between eight and 10, I think. Yeah. And, and so, you know, if, if Clowney comes away with 10 sacks and miles is able to add to his sack total, uh, which he should do just by virtue of not missing any games, um, then you call it a success. Yeah. Well, I mean, let, let's uh, let, let's be fair here. The, the team record, I think, is what thirteen, <laughs> and Miles uh, Miles is, is a thirteen or fourteen. I should know this. I just wrote about it, but uh, yeah, yeah. I think Miles. I think the most Miles has had has been twelve and a half, I believe, um, and the team record is thirteen. So if Clowney mm. if Clowney gets ten. <laughs> it's going to be one of the biggest seasons, you know, a Brown has ever put up. So, um, hmm. so yeah, it'd be pretty good if, if he gets, yeah, if he gets anywhere near that. So maybe, maybe my numbers are, t- are too high, but um, like I said, the measuring stick for me is, does he outperform Olivier, Ber- Olivier Vernon? Okay. Then that's fair. What do, what do you think, John? Yeah, I think the Olivier Vernon comparison is fair. Um, Vernon was really interesting last year. He was really hot or really cold. You know, he had a couple of just completely dominating games and then other games he disappeared. Um, I'd like to see Clowney, you know, play a little bit more consistent across the board than Vernon. Mm -hmm. I think that would be a measure of success. I would also say that, you know, we got to include Tech McKinley kind of in this conversation on that opposite DN slot, because I think if you can get combined double-digit sacks between Clowney and McKinley, you know, and Miles getting around 16, um, that would be a success for me. It's big. Yeah, yeah, that would be really big. You know, so yeah, I, I agree I, with you. Yeah, I, kinda, I think Tack will be out there some. Yeah, too. I yeah, do too. Definitely. I think they'll move Clowney inside a little bit and um, let Tack play the end on those third and really long situations. So that might bring down Clowney's total sack numbers, but – um, you never know. He might dominate those guards inside and and crush people. He's done it before, so uh, we'll have to see. But you know, hopefully he stays healthy. Um, and you know the the Browns are really deep on that defensive line, so they should stay pretty fresh throughout the game. So, so I, I just looked it up, Rod. Um, yeah. Vernon had nine last year, and okay. um, Miles had twelve. Okay. Yeah, and team record is thirteen. I knew I knew Vernon had I, I knew he had at least eight and a half or, or or more than that, but I couldn't remember the exact number. And the team record is uh, I think the team record is thirteen. Team record. So, team record's fourteen. I just fourteen. Uh, Reggie Camp. Yeah. Okay. Reggie Camp. Wow. I can't remember that. Yeah. yeah. And Reg, Reggie yeah. Camp never had more than uh, more than uh, eight and a half other than that season. 
Right. So, um, yeah. So, but you you guys expect uh, you expect Clowney to play more inside than Miles. I definitely do. Um, I just think with uh, on those passing situations, Clowney's done it before. I think Tech McKinley's a pure edge guy where Clowney's got some versatility to move inside. They may move Miles inside again, but um, I would see more of Miles switching uh, over to the weak side uh, to avoid those chips from tight ends and, and running right. backs more than I would see him move inside. But who knows with this Joe Woods offense? I mean, we know that it's – or Joe Woods defense, excuse me. We know it's going to be a lot different than what we saw last year uh, with personnel and formations and what have you. So um, – like I said, I'm 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 as anxious as anybody to see this defense on the field. They've got a lot of pieces, yeah, definitely. So uh, look, looking at uh, we mentioned the July 27th uh, training camp uh, when training camp kicks off. So on uh, after the first preseason game on August 17th is the first cut. Um, that's the cut down to 85 after the second preseason game uh, August 24th they cut down to 80 and then on uh, after the um, on uh, yeah August 31st they have to be down to, to the 53 man so um, we're gonna talk about some uh, some key battles and guys I man I went through this roster last night just trying to, to figure out how many guys I thought for sure had jobs. And I, I just really just picked guys that I thought there's no way this guy's not going to make the team. And I was up in the 30s. And, you know, and I wasn't even picking guys that I thought, you know, that, that could potentially be cut, you know, or overtaken by somebody. Guys who are probably going to make the team. So I really don't think there are, are a ton of open spaces on this team. But, man, there's, there's just so much talent. It's, I'm glad that... I'm glad I don't have to make these decisions. That's all I got to say, because uh, it's going to be tough. But there are some uh, there are some key battles. There are some guys that, man, you just you think, how can this guy not make the team? But then you look at who he's up against. You're thinking, man, well, that guy's got to make it, too. But then you look at the numbers, you're like, well, they're going to be letting some good guys go. That's just how it goes. So, um, all right. So. So let's talk about some of the some of the key battles. And um, uh, Jeff, this is kind of your list. So um, let, let's uh, let, let's look at the uh, the first position, which which uh, was wide receiver three. Um, so we're looking at, uh, you know, at, at the uh, I guess whoever's going to be perceived as wide receiver three. I think in reality, um, you're probably going to get different guys out there. You know, it's not going to be the same guy all the time, but um, somebody is going to be designated in that spot. So, um, so, so, what so you- this, this, we should probably establish some ground rules here. Um, yeah. Number one, you know, we're, we're going to assume that everybody's 100% healthy. So, right. you know, OBJ coming off an ACL doesn't factor into this. We, we just assume that he's our one and Jarvis is our 1A. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're talking about the rest of the guys, you know, who's going to be that guy who gets the most catches this year. And that's how I would 
determine who wide receiver three is. Okay, not the guy who, you know, is the first guy. Not the guy who gets to start. Um, well, yeah, I mean, because who knows what package you're going to start in and, and, you know, what the game will dictate. Right. So I think which guy is going to end up giving you the third most production is, is probably the fairest way of, um, evaluating who your third wide receiver is. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I think there's pretty much, uh, probably three guys you're looking at then. Right. Correct. Yeah, there's, there's three candidates. Yeah, so you've got um, Higgins, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 Donovan Peoples-Jones, mm-hmm. and and the rookie, right? Uh, right, Schwartz. Schwartz, yeah. So Higgins is is being paid like a wide receiver three. He's experienced like a wide receiver three, and he has the relationship with QB one that you want in a guy who's going to get a lot of touches. The other two guys have some athletic superiority in their favor that would would say that you know potentially they could overtake Higgins. So that that's really what this boils down to is you know how how the offense is constructed. Um, you know, Richard Higgins is is sneaky good at getting open. But he's not yeah. going to really blow past anybody. Um, I think Peoples Jones has the ability to, you know, create some separation, and and Schwartz is the track star. And also, we've been saying for, you know, I don't know how long, Rod, that we want somebody to take the top off the opposing defense, and so you you want to see that guy out there, you know. But I think that's going to be pretty limited in terms of opportunities. Um, especially based on how fast he can grow his rapture and, you know, do things beyond, um, you know, just run fast. Well, I mean, you know, he's, he's going to be able to run a couple of routes right up coming in right off the street, you know, I mean, so. Well, he really wasn't expected to in college. Yeah. He was the go route guy. He's, he's kind of, I'm, I'm just saying he can run a go route <laughs> right, right now. Right. Um, you know, and that's, you know, he's going to run a go route. I think, I think he, um, correct me if I'm wrong. I think he ran a lot of slants in college. So, um, you know, I, I think you'll, yeah. I think you'll see some of those. And man, if he, if he catches the ball in some slants, look out. Cause he was really right. dangerous in college on those. Um, so it, it's a, it's a matter of how they decide they want to use him. But look at how the Browns and I'm jumping in here guys. So, um, Sorry about this, but uh, look how the Browns used uh, Jones last season. They kind of put him in, um, you know, they gave him chances, but they weren't dependent upon him at any point in time, and and he made plays. I mean, I I think I kind of see the same type of role for for Schwartz this season as what they did, you know, for Jones last season, and try to bring him along. I don't you know, except they may try to get him more touches because he's just so damn fast. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be uh, it, it. It's a really interesting argument because I, when you look on paper, you think Peoples Jones and Schwartz are just superior. I mean, one has speed, the other has size, um, and then there's Higgins. But Higgins has that magic with Baker that 
it, it, it's really uncanny. And last year, you know, Higgins had 52 targets where DPJ only had 20 targets. So he had over twice the targets last year um, and basically the same system. But a lot of yeah. that was because OBJ was hurt too, though. So really, True. how much of the pie is really there for these three guys? So when you look at it yeah. from that evaluation, I think you're going to use more of the Schwartz DPJ than Higgins only because, you know, we want that top off the defense and we want that threat where your one and two guys are already set in stone. Again, we're saying, you know, all injuries put aside. So, you know, I, I want to say Higgins. I like Higgins. I'm glad we resigned Higgins. But something tells me that this team wants to use the youth and wants to keep developing the youth on the squad. And uh, I, I'm going to I'm going to take a flyer and say uh, DPJ um, steps up and turns into that number three guy. Well, hard to argue with. Well, I think maybe a better yeah. question is because all three of these guys are going to make the team. Who who's if we keep a number six, who's that going to be? Because um, great question. That guy's probably probably never going to see the field. But um, right. You know, there there will be a, a combination of of these three guys, depending again on you know what the situation is and what we're looking for. Um, that will probably be pretty close in terms of utilization. Yeah, this went a little different than I expected because uh, when I was putting down who I thought my training camp battles were, I I thought we were going to talk about that sixth guy because you know between Hodge, JoJo Natson, and and Derek Willies. Um, only one of those guys is making the team, you know. We're, Correct. Uh, I'm going to throw out another name. That's Alexander Hollins. Yeah, they'll, mm. they'll count him out. Um, mm-hmm. I think we, I think I talked more about him, you know, probably uh, several months ago. I I had to re-familiarize myself with him, honestly. But uh, you know, the Browns uh, picked him up from the Vikings practice squad. The Vikings really like this kid, so. Um, if the Browns are going youth and, you know, and, and they decide to, to carry somebody who's really not going to play at all or not much, uh, I think it probably depends on if they feel like they need Hodge for special teams, depending on the other guys. But, man, if they just want, you know, a guy to, to play a little bit and be there for the future, if they really like this kid, he, he may have a shot. Yeah, and don't forget about JoJo Natson. I mean, we signed him, I think it was from the Rams. Um, and he was a specialty guy, punt returner, kick returner, which, you know, we definitely had some issues with that um, last year. So that could be a way to make this squad as well. You know, we're talking about Hodge and his, you know, his gunner and different roles on special teams. But JoJo Natson yeah. was signed as a speed guy. Uh, we just never got to see it because of the knee injury. Yeah. So let's move i'm gonna i'm gonna jump because of the jojo natson comments i'm going to jump to running back three okay because this is very interesting to me because we've got dearness johnson who who showed he can play (laughs) he showed he can play last year but you got two great running backs i mean you know, I mean, how much strength do you need at one position? So, um, you know, the question is, do, do the Browns feel like they need to keep him? Okay, the, so he's he's fighting for to keep that position. 
um, you know, which includes some 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 kick returns. Um, Demetric Felton is in that uh, in that discussion, even though he's you know probably uh, he he plays wide receiver and running back and, and you know and can return. Um, the guy's so versatile. Plus, he's a new draft pick. Uh, he he probably has a great chance to make the team, but he's he's up against Dearness Johnson, and and I feel like JoJo Natson is really battling these three guys too in the kick return game. They are not going to carry all three of these guys. There's no way. Right. No, I, I so, think at most one one of those guys. Yeah, has prob- a shot probably at one. Team. I mean. <laughs> They're going to let two of these guys go? Are you kidding me? I mean, those these guys are talented players. Mm-hmm. So, um, and in a normal team, in a normal Browns year, I mean, I hate to call it normal, but draft picks are always safe, right? I don't know yeah. this year. I don't know yeah. if all draft picks are safe. Um, they better show up. I can tell yeah, you right. that. I, I agree 100%. I mean, yeah. Felton is probably, in my opinion, um, the closest him and LeCount are probably the two draft picks most up against making this roster. Well, yeah, I mean, LeCount better show that he can play play better in red line or, or he's, you know, he's, he's not coming around. Um, I don't know how many safeties are going to carry, but, I mean, the numbers are going to add up quickly, guys. Right. <laughs> yeah, we can drive ourselves crazy thinking about who those, you know, last few guys are for, for the special teams roles. Yeah. Um, but, but getting back to the running back question, um, yeah. you know, Dearness Johnson had very little in the way of touches um, with the, you know, with the number one offense last year. Um, he was effective when Nick Chubb was out for like one game. Um, and showed, you know, showed some, I thought some, some real ability. Um, I just yeah. think that, that the team likes Demetric Felton and his versatility, um, and will want him in that role versus a guy like Dearness Johnson, who probably gets picked up by another team as, as their number two guy. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, needs those touches, and, you know, will probably put together a pretty nice season with somebody who's going to give him some playing time, um, you know, versus Felton, I think, who they can groom um, on the receiver side. I, I saw an article where someone was saying that they thought maybe he would be the heir to, to Jarvis in the slot, even. Um, so, you know say what you will about late draft picks. There's, there's a reason that, that teams take guys in the late rounds. Um, they've got some sort of a plan for them. And, and I, I'll, I'll admit I was completely shocked by the Felton pick. I didn't see it coming at all, but the more I've looked at how the roster is composed and where we could be in two or three years, there's a guy, there's a need for a guy like that. And I think he, I think he makes the team. And I think um, mm-hmm. I think Dearness Johnson gets caught. Yeah, it's crazy to think a guy that had uh, 33 attempts for 166 yards and a 5.0 average per carry is going to get cut. But 
I agree. I, yeah, I, 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 agree. I think but Andrew that's, Barry that's what is, happens. You know, you, yeah, Andrew Barry is three years out. Number one roster in the league. That Those kinds of things are going to happen. Yep. Yep. And Andrew Barry's playing yeah. chess, and he's he's five, six moves ahead of where this team's going to be because we know, you know, we're not keeping both Hunt and Chubb. So what kind of guy do we want behind Chubb, assuming that that's the guy we're, we're keeping and extending? And, uh, you know, it's got to, you know, you got to think it's going to be Felton. Well, and, and it does come down to money, too. So, you know, Felton is, you know, being being a late round draft pick, he's signed for, um, you know, for four years at, at nothing, pretty much. So if right. you can get a guy exactly. like that and have him for four years. Um, See, that you gives know. you the flexibility that, you know, you talk about in playing chess. I mean, the, the flexibility yeah. that, you know, if you do move one of those guys, our number two guy may not even be on this roster yet. Yeah. You know, and yeah. but but you have the financial flexibility to go out and find that guy. If, if you know, there was a catastrophe with Nick Chubb and, you know, we don't want to give the full weight of, of you know, the running back position of Demetri Felton. Now we've got the flexibility to go out and find somebody else. And, and people can talk about the importance of hitting your on your first rounders and your second rounders in the draft. But when you hit on your third, fourth, fifth, and sixth rounders and can right. keep guys around for a few years, you know, or, or even, you know, a few guys through four seasons at, at yeah. that kind of pay. Right. Man, yeah, these guys are locked up at nothing. You're exactly yeah, these right. guys are locked up. It gives you it gives you flexibility to do other things and to keep other guys. So, right. yeah, when you're that good at drafting. You know, you, you can miss a first rounder because you, you you've got these other guys signed at nothing. You can you can go sign a guy. You know, it's just yep. it's 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 nuts. So, um, but I think the Browns will be smart. I don't think they're going to to give any of these uh, any of these draft picks a, a job without uh, without seeing something in them. So, um, let's get back to your list, Jeff, because it's a it's a really good one. Um, the, the next position is defensive tackle. And, man, this is going to be a dogfight, D-A-W-G. And there are, man, there, what are there? A bunch of guys. It's crowded. 20 down. guys fighting for, like, three spots, man. It's just nuts. So, yeah, um, I've heard, I've seen where they might keep as many as six guys, and you kind of have to break this out by, by three technique and, and no tackle. Right. Um, but, um, you know, right now everybody's kind of assuming that, that the two veterans win the starting jobs. Um, you know, Andrew Billings and Malik Jackson, I think both of those guys come with some pretty big question marks. Um, you know, Billings obviously didn't play last year, came, came into um, this last camp um, really heavy. Um, right. And so, you know, it, you really don't know what you're going to get from though. him. I believe. Well, well, yeah, but how much how much does he play is the question, right? So yeah, um, yeah. You know, do, does he get does he get the bulk of the snaps? Um, you know, at that one technique, or or does somebody like Tommy Togiai take a lot of those snaps away from him? You know, and, and those are really the I think the two guys that it's going to come down to there. Um, and then on you know the three technique, you know Malik Jackson, he's he's a vet. Um, but he's not really played exceedingly well the last two or three years. He's um, slowing down. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's, he's an older guy. He's more, um, 
like uh, Claiborne last year, you know, where you see him coming in for a play here and there, you know, as part of a rotation versus, you know, being your every down guy. I think that every down guy is probably going to be Jordan Elliott. Um, you know, then you're going to see Malik Jackson spelling him. Um, and then there's probably a couple guys at least beyond that that are going to be part of that rotation. Yeah, no, I, I agree. You know, lest we forget, Jordan Elliott was a third round pick. That's not a seventh round pick. That's a guy you're exactly. To, that's a guy you're expecting to play. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the decline of Malik Jackson is it. You know, the the stats don't lie. So I agree. I think it's I think they're going to give Billings, you know, with that, you know, that nose tackle or, you know, that a gap, however you want to put it. And Jordan Elliott gets mm-hmm. starts with Malik Jackson, you know, spelling. And then where it really gets interesting is, you know, that kid we signed out of Florida State, Marvin Wilson. You right. know, you know, we paid, you know, big dollars, <laughs> you know, when it comes to undrafted free agents anyway. You know, paid, paid him big dollars to come in. So the Browns see something in that guy um, that, you know, he's a sneaky uh, guy that might get into that rotation. You know, if Malik McDowell and Sheldon Day, um, you know, falter a little bit in camp, uh, look out for Marvin Wilson to steal some some time there. I agree. Yeah, so there, there's a bunch of guys there. I, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see the composition of how many guys they carry at each spot. And I, I don't think we know because I don't think we know exactly, you know, the type of, of defense that they, that they intend to play all the time. You know, um, I, I would expect them to carry their best, who they think are their best 53 guys. I mean, obviously they're not going to go crazy and carry a ton of guys in one position if they don't need them. But, um, you know, I don't, I think if they have, an extra defensive tackle who's better than their better than their um, fifth or sixth linebacker, they're going to keep the defensive tackle. You know, I think that's oh, probably what they'll do. Yeah, I think that. I don't even mm-hmm. think we have to guess at that. I think that's a, an absolute with the you know either the big nickel or, or the dime defense that that Woods is wanting to run this year. So, you know, I, I definitely think you know kind of pivoting to that linebacker because I put that you know big on my list in preparation for doing this podcast is how many linebackers are we keeping and you know is it going to come down to a battle between Malcolm Smith and Mac Wilson of making this ball club to keep that extra defensive lineman um well let's uh I guess I guess we've kind of wrapped defensive tackle um we're not real sure so let's let's move on to linebacker (laughs) I mean (laughs) I, defensive tackle, I mean, I, you know, Marvin Wilson, Malik McDowell, these guys, God only knows what, what they're going to show up looking like. So we'll just, we, you just got to see what happens. And same for uh, Malik Jackson. So, um, so yeah, so let, let's move on to linebacker. And, um, yeah, so, uh, I mean, Je- Jeff was talking about Will, so you're talking about uh, – um, Go ahead with your go ahead with your uh, with your point again, John, and then we'll kick it off from there. Yeah, well, you know, when when you run a dime or a nickel as your as your base, uh, linebacker is obviously the player that comes off the field. So, you know, you, you got to figure Anthony Walker safe. You got to figure JOK safe, um, and then you got a bunch of guys that were drafted by the Browns and Taki Taki Phillips, and a guy brought in with by Malcolm Smith, 
and then Mac Wilson. So if you're only going to keep five linebackers, one of them has to go. And to me, I think it's going to come down to Mac Wilson and Malcolm Smith, who makes the ball club, because I think JOK, Walker, Taki Taki, and Phillips are safe uh, just being on this regime, bringing those guys into the fold. So um, I, I don't know where that's going to, you know, I don't know where that's going to go, but I know Mac Wilson is technically the backup middle linebacker, but. You know, he was supposed to be a coverage guy coming out of college, and Malcolm Smith totally outplayed him um, in, in coverage last year. I mean, I know it wasn't great, but um, Mac Wilson had a rough year. So um, right. I think he's in real danger of not making this team. Right. Yeah. We've, um, we've beat him up pretty good on this podcast. Well, everybody. I mean, everybody's all over <laughs> Mac Wilson. I mean, you know, right. I, mean, I mean, the guy had uh, – he made uh, – I don't want to say he had a good year as a rookie. He made some nice plays as a rookie. Let's put it that way. Um, Brown, you know, Browns fans really, really liked him. I mean, we got him in the latter rounds, and uh, you know, I think we we thought that we really had something with Mac. So um, I think you just got to see who shows up and see if they give him a shot in training camp and, and see what happens. But um, linebacker is so interesting. I mean, to me, Jacob Phillips, uh, he's he's making the team. Um, he's young and fast, and I just—he's making the team. JOK is making the team. I'll be shocked if Tony Fields doesn't make the team. I mean, but he's—he's he's not going to play linebacker this year. He's going to play special teams. So you got those three guys, and and uh, and uh, Anthony Walker. That's you know that that's four yeah. linebackers right there. Right. And then you're talking the other guys. Um, you know, Mac Wilson. I—I uh, I don't know, Mac Wilson and Taki Taki. Um, who else am I missing? Malcolm Smith. Malcolm Smith. Yeah, that's what happens when you print out a roster and it doesn't have everybody's <laughs> name on it, guys. No matter no matter which roster you look at, it doesn't have everybody. And and it's my bad, but you know when when uh, the roster has has ninety guys on it, it's kind of hard to know every name. So right, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you know, I don't think Malcolm Smith has a guaranteed spot. I don't think uh, Mac Wilson has a guaranteed spot. Um, you know, uh, Taki Taki. You know, I mean, I think it depends how other guys do. I I don't know. It, what do you, Jeff? Let's go to you on Taki Taki. And what do you what do you think about him as a player, his development, and what we've seen so far? And do you feel like he's a guy who's still growing? into the position do you think he's going to keep getting better or do you think he's like he is what he is and we're kind of waiting and he's just kind of holding a spot for somebody well i think he's probably your number two run defense linebacker right now on the roster you know and you can disagree with me on that i think you know probably anthony walker is number one and taki taki is number two um you know, you, you got to have an early down linebacker out there. A lot of these guys we're talking about are guys that can cover. Um, and that, that's, you know, that's going to be the strength of the Joe Woods defense is linebackers that can cover. Um, mm-hmm. But Taki Taki's specialty is, is you know, he's the, he's the, the banger on, on the run downs in the, in, on the strong side. So I don't know. It's, I think he's he's more of a specialty guy that that you know he's going to get opportunity because other people don't replicate his skill set. Um, it may not be that he's one of the 53 best guys, but they may just not have somebody better to fill that role. Yeah, 
is, is this how important is this season for Jacob Phillips because he really hasn't played that much yet because of injuries and stuff if if he has if he has a rough season are they still rolling with this guy to be on potential for another year or two or, or what do you guys think well being that he's on his rookie contract I, you know we, we've said it a few times with some other players it comes down to money and they did invest a third round draft pick in this guy so I, I would be very surprised um, if they let Jacob's Jacob Phillips go you know yeah. Taki Taki on the other hand um, I think your brother's right I mean he is the he is the banger linebacker on this team um, and he's also a third round pick um, back in 19 so um, I, I think they keep Taki Taki and I think they keep Phillips um, I really do I think moving forward i i think i think both guys uh make the team I, I think malcolm smith and uh mac wilson are the ones in trouble because you know like you said tony fields he's a draft pick so you know are they really going to let go of a guy that they you know invested draft capital in even though it was a fifth round draft pick so you know it'll it'll be interesting to see um but i think taki taki makes a team and i think he showed improvement last year yeah i think tony fields i definitely think this is a proven year for him though Oh, absolutely. I agree 100%. Yeah, I agree 100%. He's got to continue on that upward upward trend, excuse me. Um, and you got Mac Wilson, who's got to do the same thing. So, yeah. so if you're going to fast forward two years down the road <laughs> at linebacker, how many of these guys are still on the team? I mean, JOK is still here. Jacob Phillips, uh, Taki Taki, Tony Fields, are these guys still here? In two seasons? I mean, I'm talking uh, 23. I I guess what I'm trying to get to is, do we have the young core? uh, You know, do the Browns have the young core that they're looking for at linebacker on the team now? I'm not sure that they do. Yeah, I I, I think that with the style of defense, if, if Joe Woods makes it that long, I think we do. Because they are there, they're his style of linebacker. Um, that's on yeah. this team. So if Woods is still here running big nickel and dime and running in, you know, playing two linebackers most of the time on the field, uh, my answer is yes with JOK, Taki Taki, and Phillips running his defense. Um, if Woods uh, gets the axe, um, then probably not. Yeah, I think I think you're right there. I think you're right. So let, let's talk about right corner. A um, little bit up in the air. Uh, I think a lot of people think Greg Newsom's going to start. Um, Greedy's, uh, Greedy's. Uh, I don't know if he's coming off the injury or battling the injury or what. You know, whatever you want to say. But um, what are you guys thinking as far as uh, as far as that uh, second corner position? Well, yeah. again, Rod, the 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 assumption is 100% health. Okay, okay. so um, we're going to assume that Greedy is ready to go day one of camp and you know he and Newsom are gonna battle it out um for me um I think the expectation for Greg Newsom is too high right now um coming out of college Greedy and Greg Newsom if you looked at their uh the consensus um as far as their their prospect ranking not a heck of a lot different Greedy just yeah. happened to go a little bit later. Um, I mean, Gre- Greedy I think there went were more higher. Corners, uh, more corners taken in, in the draft with Greedy. 
if I'm, I could right. be wrong, but that's why I remember yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, Greedy actually went higher in that 19 draft than JOK went this year. So, right. um, he was, you know, pretty well <laughs> thought of as, as a, as a you know, corner coming out of college. And he had a really pretty decent rookie season as cornerbacks go, you know, outside cornerbacks really have a hard time making it in the NFL as rookies. Um, yeah. they struggle. It's, it's a hard position to, to excel at as a rookie. Um, so I, I think, you know, listing Greg Newsom as the number one guy over there, um, is, is, again, I think it's putting an awful lot of pressure on the kid. Um, Greedy Williams, assuming that he's healthy and can come in and, and, and perform like he did as a rookie. Um, now having the benefit of that year of experience, um, not even including, you know, his rehab year of last year, um, should have the leg up to win the starting job over Greg Newsom. And, you know, that, to me, that's best case scenario for the Cleveland Browns, because then Greg Newsom can really be eased into the defense um, as that third rotation guy for, you know, all, we know Denzel's going to miss games. We know Greedy's going to miss games. Um, you know, it's going to be nice to have that third guy back there um, that we can, you know, bring along. At it. But I just I hate to think of, of how the league is, is going to pick on him um, if he's our starting cornerback, you know, right out of the gate. John, do you agree? Yeah, I do. Um, I, I think it's a. Uh really dead on assessment to be honest with you i think they want greedy williams to be that guy and, and don't forget we got this guy named troy hill on our roster too who can play a little bit outside i know most right. people have him plugged into the uh into the slot <laughs> corner slot, yeah you know but uh but he's played outside with the rams before so yep. I, I think if they a, need him they can use him yeah that's not, right yeah, right no i i think the browns are in a great position here this is actually one of the position battles that i'm really not worried about at all um, I, I just think we'll just sit back, uh, relax, and watch the show and, and and see who wins it out. And ideally, to me, you know, your top three are Ward, Williams, and Hill, and you let Greg Newsom learn a little bit before he gets thrown to the fire. Yeah, yeah. And, the, I, and I those agree. guys probably get roughly, I mean, the, roughly about the same number of snaps. Absolutely, yeah. And and you already pointed out the injury that, you know, Ward's not playing 17. Greedy's not playing 17. Um, right. so, uh, Newsom's and Greg gonna Newsom get has an injury history as well. Yeah, he does. Yeah. I think, uh, I think in a future show, we'll, we'll take a look at the, uh, you know, the guys who are, are probably going to be cornerback five and six. And, you know, those could really be important for this team too. Um, they just seem to be every season, you know, not that, not that all these guys are going to go down, but man, you need all the DBs you can get. Who would have thought MJ Stewart would have played such a huge role? Well, yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So, um, yeah, I forgot what else, uh, where else I was going to go. Yeah, I think that was that was pretty much it. So, um, you know, hey Rod, I just want to bring up one other battle that I, I think is uh, not very interesting to most people, but I love guys in the trenches. And yeah. Blake Hans versus Drew Forbes for that backup uh, right guard job. I think that's going to be an interesting battle to watch in camp for those of us who are just football junkies, um, because we know what happened with, with our line last year. Um, these guys are critically important and, 
Hans had a really nice game, a couple nice games actually. And, you know, Drew Forbes was someone we invested in that we really don't know what we have because of injury we and opt out. Play yet. Right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it'll be uh, it'll be an interesting battle because both those guys aren't making the team. Uh, one of those guys is going to be the backup to Wyatt Teller and um, should be a good battle. And that's interesting, especially knowing, you know, Wyatt Teller's contract status and what may or may not happen there, too. So, uh, Jeff, do you want to put your uh, you want to put your uh, uh, money down on Blake Hans now or not? <laughs> I like Blake Hans. I mean, I yeah. said at one point I was going to get a Blake Hans jersey. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I think we could do an entire hour just on the offensive line, um, yeah. you know, and, and the the possibilities with all these different guys. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be an interesting year to see who, who sort of surfaces as guys that can potentially take these starters jobs in future years, because we got a couple of guys that, that I think the Browns want to replace, um, you know, in the near future. We're getting kind of older and expensive, um, and it, it's really a, a great opportunity right now to be be bringing these guys along and preparing them for that. Um, I'm super excited about bringing in James Hudson. I love the guy in college, um, and I think he can play pretty much four positions on the line. Um, Blake Hans gives you the ability to play a little bit of center as well, um, which I, I think. That's going to be one of our challenges in, in coming years is, you know, how much more gas does J.C. Treader have in the tank and is Nick Harris the solution? Right. So, you know, yeah. there's yeah. there's so many moving parts on that offensive line. Like I said, we, we could spend a lot of time digesting it. Yeah, no doubt. At, at least uh, at least we, we saw a nice performance out of the offensive line last year. Yeah, and, and, and no that was to, fun. to think that, to that they won't be the top offensive line again this year right. with, with even more depth. Right, definitely, definitely. I've got one more, guys, and I think we'll, uh, I think we'll uh, end things after this. Um, tight end. And, you know, we, we've talked about Njoku and Hooper and Bryant. These guys are making the team. These guys are here. And again, it's going to come down to roster composition. How many guys do they carry here, there, and you know everywhere else? But how many tight ends do the Browns carry? So I guess let's put it this way: if those three guys make the team, okay, fine. Um, so two questions: Do you think the Browns carry a fourth tight end, and if so, who? Uh, because Stephen Carlson, you know the smart guy, he he <laughs> from Princeton. <laughs> He looks good when he's out there, okay? Um, but you got three guys who can catch the ball. Um, or do the Browns go with somebody younger, um, you know, one of these other guys on the roster? I noted while uh, prepping a long time ago that the Browns signed uh, Kyle Markway to, I think, a two-year deal. So they must like something about this kid, um, you know. So I guess my question is, do you think they – if they go forward, do you think it's Carlson pretty much guaranteed, or do you think they try to get younger at that position and carry another guy on the roster for some reason? Boy, I don't, 
I think it'd be hard to to see them carrying four tight ends. I mean, I just think there's too much talent in, in other positions that, you know, somebody has to go, you know, and, uh, you know, only Andrew Barry knows his roster composition and yeah. where he, where he sees, you know, that 25th guy on offense. And who is that, you know, um, Stefanski likes 12 personnel. So that's two tight ends a lot. Um, so maybe there is room for a fourth tight end and they let another wide receiver go, but, um, boy, it's, uh, it's just, when you look at, look at this roster right now, it's, it's hard to see them keeping a guy like Carlson over a Jojo Natson or a Dearness Johnson. Um, it's, that's hard for me yeah. to see, but, but you know, I mean, time will tell and uh, we'll see how it shakes out. What are yeah, your Ron, thoughts? I, I think I think if um, you're talking about developing a young guy at the tight end position, that's Harrison Bryant. Um, right. Any any available snaps, you know, to develop a guy, he's got to get them. I think. I mean, he showed enough last year that um, you know, once he gets past the rookie jitters, I, I think he's got a tremendous future. So, I want to see as much of him as possible. So. Beyond that, I don't think it really matters a whole heck of a lot who's, you know, who's our number four or however many tight ends we carry. Um, I, I want to see Hooper perform to his contract, um, yep. you know, to John's point earlier, um, you know, and, and Bryant, you know, develop like we thought he could last year. Um, and then, you know, whatever Chief gives us is a bonus, too, I think, because um, – I think this is his last year. Um, he's he's going to be somewhere else next year, and he's hopefully yeah. playing and showcasing himself for that next opportunity. So hopefully that keeps him motivated to you know hang on to the damn ball and you know live up to his potential. Um, so I, I think between those three, we, we've got a great tight end room, and and you know any, anybody else really isn't going to see the field very much. So, Jeff, which of the tight ends has the biggest season this year? Well, based on what I just said, it's probably going to be David and Joku. <laughs> <laughs> because, because he's going to be motivated, right? Oh, yeah, um, it could be. And that's, that's what professional athletes require, you know? So, so, you know, hopefully he's super motivated. He's got a huge chip on his giant shoulders. And... He goes out there and plays his balls off, and the Browns are able to, you know, move on from him next year. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, John? Yeah, um, I, I got to go with the youth movement. I mean, I, I think Austin Hooper was drastically overpaid. I hope he proves me wrong this year. But um, to Jeff's point, Harrison Bryant flashed um, some really nice receiving traits. Um, take care of the fumbles, take care of the jitters. And I think he's the heir apparent at tight end for sure. And I wouldn't be surprised if Austin Hooper might be a cap casualty uh, next year. Yeah, I don't know about, uh, I don't know about Hooper, but I, I'm with you on Harrison Bryant. I, I don't know what he's going to do this year, but I think, you know, but somewhere between this year and next year, the, the kid's going to be a star. I just, he's, he's got everything that's necessary uh, I just I just think we're going to watch him grow this season, uh, get more comfortable. And, you know, I, I think he'll have a good season th this year. And, and I think next season kind of watch out. 
Yeah, yeah, let's let's hope that they're not moving on from Austin Hooper next year because there's some really pretty painful dead money if that happens. Yeah, uh, I, I, it's just hard to justify his salary. It's just I, I questioned it yeah, when like they I signed said, him, but I, I hope he lives up to his contract. I hope yep. he, you know, I hope he performs better, yeah. you know, yeah. after a year in the system. Um, but but financially, um, we are we're wed to this guy for the next three seasons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, John. Uh, appreciate you coming on. Do you, would you like to give us any uh, any closing words, remarks, anything you'd like to leave uh, the listeners with? Uh, just that uh, I'm as excited as everybody else about this season. Um, I guess my my biggest thing about training camp coming up is just please stay healthy. Um, I think health. If this team stays healthy. We really have a shot to, to make a really deep run in the playoffs, um, and, and that's something I haven't seen in my lifetime since the '80s. So, um, I'd like to see the Browns get the AFC Championship game at least. I think they got the talent on the roster to do so, um, and support Baker. He's our guy. <laughs> yes. And Jeff, any closing words? I'll, I'll just follow up on that thought. Um, you know, health is something that every NFL team deals with. And that's why you need the depth that we think the Browns have now, because you will have injuries. Guys will miss games. We've, we've documented, you know, the history with a lot of these guys already. So um, we based our conversation tonight on 100% health because that's, you know, that's the only way to fairly evaluate one guy against another. Um, But when it comes to the success of the team, what's going to determine how many games they win and how far they go in the playoffs is not how healthy they stay, but how well the next tier of guys come in and play uh, for the guys that do go down. Yep. I agree hundred percent. It's been a blast. I enjoyed coming back yeah. on the show and um, I'm up for it. Anytime you are Rod. Sounds awesome. good. John. Thanks, John. Yeah. This has been the Browns blitz. We thank you for listening and we will catch you next time.